we're finishing up tonight um, with a, the study of Colossians. And uh, we have been talking about how Paul has realigned the culture that was going on in that time in the Col- Colossians church. And so we are going to finish tonight um, with that. And um, it was a battle going on. Not just, it wasn't just physical, but it was the cultural viewpoint. And, uh, and they were struggling on how to act and how to respond and how to be. And so um, that's what Paul writes. And so I thought, hey, you know what? If there's a, we're, it's a battle, it's a cultural shift and all that kind of stuff. And every time I started reading it, I was thinking of every war movie that I've ever seen. Anybody like war action movies? You know, like Rambo and, you know, Red Dawn. I'm dating myself. I mean, there are probably some, some um, newer ones. But the purpose in every one of those movies and in a military operation or in a battle or a war is to do what? Win, of course, but is to cut the communication of the enemy. You know, they always conspire to cut the, you know, the phone lines or, or hit the satellites or shut the power off to, to disrupt the communication. In every major battle, they try to take out, disrupt, or damage the other side's communication. And as Christians, our main pipeline, our main communication to God is prayer. And without prayer, we cannot be connected to God. And so our habits of prayer and our prayer life is going to be under attack, even if we say it's not. The enemy wants to attack and disrupt and dismantle and damage our communication prayer with our Heavenly Father and our Creator. And that's what we're gonna talk about in the last little section, the last little um, piece of, of Colossians is how prayer is going to help us with our relationship with Jesus. It's talked, out, it's talked about more than any other thing, but I think it's the least practiced thing. Can anybody agree with me on that? We forget there's an enemy and he tries to distract us, destroy communication with us. And so we get distracted by things, um, this, these little electronic devices that we can communicate with. It gets a distraction. We get distracted in the world. We get distracted with our families. We get distracted with work. And we forget that we need to communicate with God. Let's turn in Colossians. If you have your Bibles, the verses will be up on the screens. Colossians 4. Um, we're going to work through two through uh, six tonight. Real simple, real short. Um, I'm not very flowerly. If you knew, I, I get straight to the point. I say things probably that sometimes don't link up, but it's my brain and my mouth don't always go together. But we are going to work on uh, tonight uh, the further instruction that Paul has. He's going to give us some instructions on how he, the people there in, in Colossians need to kind of readjust and recalibrate and kind of get back into who God is and how to, and to know who God is. And so let's read it. We're going to read two through four. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Let's start with that first one. It says, devote yourself to prayer. That means pray persistently. Now, 
Persistent, long, and persistent are two different words. Kimberly constantly, constantly makes this joke, um, don't ever let the pastor pray for food because it'll be cold before you get to eat. Thank you for that laugh. (laughs) Even though it's kind of hurtful. You guys can pray for food too. The the thing is, it's persistent and long are different. Persistent means not giving up. How many of us have prayed and prayed and then like two times out, we're like, oh, this is too hard. I'm not getting an answer, I'm out. Not quitting, not giving in, not becoming discouraged when the answers don't come in fast enough or the way that you want. Or we don't feel like that prayer worked. We're not to live by our feelings. How many people have lived by their feelings and been very mistaken on how, where that took them? And God says, pray without ceasing. That's not 24 seven, 27 days you have to be mumbling something or praying something. It's being persistent. If you were a child and you were persistent and you wanted ice cream, my kids still do this. If they want something, they're persistent. They continue to ask. They continue to ask. They continue to ask until what? They get what they want. Right? And so that's the persistent that we're talking about. And then it moves, it moves to, to, then the next word is be watchful. It says, Paul says, we should be vigilant and be watchful and describes a passionate prayer in that. So if you were, if you were being watchful, I, I think of like um, a sloth, right? A sloth doesn't move very fast. He's kind of just moving like this. And he's not really seeing a lot of going on because there might be something going on over there that I don't know exactly is going on. But I was thinking more. I was at the baseball field the other day. I uh, coach baseball at Emily Gray, and our, it sits right at the base of Mount Lemon, you know, the foothills right there. And there's these hawks. They're huge. They're hawk, And literally, was coming through um, our baseball field, and I thought I coached 7th uh, and 8th graders. I thought, honestly, that one, one of the 7th graders was going to get taken away. Because uh, they're not very big, and I thought, uh, how am I going to explain this to the parents if this hawk picks up this kid and takes him somewhere else, and I can't find him? I don't know if the insurance company covers that. I don't. I don't know. Um, but the hawk literally was just way up there. I mean, it, 200, 300 feet in the air, and all of a sudden, dove and literally plucked a groundhog out of the backside of the baseball field and flew off. He was being watchful. Because those groundhogs, were, they're, they're squirrely little suckers. They're fast. But he literally was watchful and grabbed it and then took off. So we need to, uh, when I think what he's meaning is be watchful. Look around. See how you can engage in prayer. Look around and see what's going on. Check in with the people around you. Check in with your, your buddy next door at work. Check in with your family. Prayer from your heart, not just from your head. Because I think sometimes we do pray, but I think we pray in a literal list of literally, I have to pray this, I have to pray this, I have to pray this, I have to pray this. And we just pray it from a list, but not from our heart. What moves your heart moves the heart of God. What if we prayed 
from our heart like we cheer on our favorite sports team. Like if we prayed the Wildcats would be playing tomorrow night, but they're not, so we can't. But what if we were devoted to prayer much like the cheeseheads are to Green Bay? They're devoted. What about the U of A fans? And like we're going to the game, what if we prayed with that kind of passion and that kind of zeal for things that were on our heart? And I think sometimes we forget about praying for gratefulness. Sometimes in my own life, I, I get focused in on all the stuff I don't have. But if I opened up my lens and opened up my filter and opened up my heart and my mind to all the stuff that I do have, I would pray a little bit differently. A constant theme would run through our prayers if gratitude was the main filter of what, how we prayed. Paul mentions this many, many, many times. Think about how awful and sad it is to come across an ungrateful person. You probably work with one or go to school with one or you may have one in your family that is constantly, it's always I want, I want, I want. Give me, give me, give me. And nothing ever fills that the ungrateful child or ungrateful adult are really hard to deal with, at least for me. Because we, God has given us so much. But if we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really honest, that's the way we act towards God most of the time. That's how we act towards God most of the time. When we fail to express our gratitude, we are talking about God granted and, and assuming that we somehow deserve. God granted us eternal life with a relationship, but somehow we treat him or we act like we deserve his grace and his kindness, like we're entitled to it. Anybody say yes to that? or in, might indict themselves, I don't know, it's okay. In verse three, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray for others. Paul was saying that don't forget to pray for, for us. Don't forget to pray for um, other people just like that entitled, in that titled person, um, it's not all about us all the time. There's things that we can, we can pray for. We can pray for others. God, uh, and he's praying, God, open the door for the message of your message to come through me, the mystery of the gospel. Note, note that Paul is in chains here. He's in jail and he's writing this, and he's not asking for uh, legal help. He's not asking to send a lawyer, send a SWAT team, send SEAL Team 6. He's not saying that. He's saying, and he's asking, I would love more opportunities while I'm in this chains to share 
your gospel, your love, and who you are. He's focused on the kingdom of God through his prayer, not just him being locked up in chains, sitting in prison. And I think most of us in in a prison situation, we probably wouldn't be thinking of kingdom stuff, or maybe we would. He was focused on helping others become followers of Jesus Christ. He wanted to accomplish in them what Jesus was accomplishing in him. He was there knowing that he was building the kingdom and he wanted to pour that out to others because that's what prayer is about. When we pray to God, he gives us opportunities and retunes things so that we can know the needs of others and so we can pray for them. Prayer is one of those things which requires faith. We are praying to someone we cannot see and expecting an answer we cannot control. Let me read that again. Prayer is one of these things which requires faith. We are praying to someone we cannot see and expecting an answer we cannot control. How many firstborn girls do we have in the room? Be proud. Some of the most controlling people I know are firstborn girls. <laughs> Which serves you well in your careers and in, in running things. Not firstborn girls. We all struggle with control at some level. I've been following Jesus for 30 years or so, and I still struggle giving up control to let him work in me. I know he's my savior, I know he's Lord, but sometimes I just wanna hold the steering wheel. But if we're actively praying, we must actively pray in our spiritual lives It's we're going to continue to grow in our relationships with Jesus. The conversation I have with God all the time is, um, you know, I, I can do this, I, you can go take a rest, I can do this. Go, and he's like, Brian, stop touching the steering wheel. You, you take us in the ditch all the time. Just stop trying to steer. And so I made an agreement with him. It was about 10 years ago. You know the little um, plastic steering wheels that go on the back of the cars, you know, the back of the seats and the little kids can pretend like they're driving? That's what he says I can have. <laughs> it's like, you can touch a steering wheel, but it's not connected to anything because I'm in control and have faith because I have your best interests You can be a Christian and not pray. Agree? You can believe in Jesus Christ and not pray. You can be married and not communicate with your wife. You can be a boyfriend or a girlfriend and not talk. It happens in junior high all the time. (laughs) But what do those circumstances, those experiences um, in those relationships get you? they get you choked off, stunted, and you never get the full benefit of the full relationship because you don't know who they are and what they're about if you don't communicate during the relationship. Let's move to verse five. It says, 
Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In other versions, it says conduct or walk. They can be synonymous. Verse six, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That's a whole lot of lot of. These two verses are basically, basically walk the walk and talk the talk. Simple as I can make it. You can't have one without the other. If you talk about Jesus and you have all the explanations about Jesus and you have bumper stickers and you have, everyone knows that you love Jesus, but you're flipping people off in traffic and you're yelling at your coworkers and you're being ridiculous, it doesn't really matter. It causes confusion. And if you conduct yourself as a wise and mature person and you never talk about Jesus, you never know, you never let anybody know that the reason why that you handle yourself the way you are, the way you don't get rattled, the way that you can kind of handle things and you don't tell them it's about Jesus, you also cause confusion. You never give him the glory. You don't tell him about the good news of how he has been in your life. People are looking at how you live your life. Paul is using the word walk in this to mean a steady way of life headed in a particular direction. I don't know about you, but if you're, if you're walking, you've got to walk with some intention. You're either you're just walking to get something, you're walking to get some food, you're walking, or you're walking for fitness, but there's usually a destination or an intention of why you're walking. Or sit on the couch, right? Paul is using this word to, there's a direction in which we are going. Paul, when Paul's saying walking in wisdom, he's saying do not cause confusion. Point people to Jesus by the consistent way you live and talk in your life. But a wise walk, if I'm walking in a direction, a wise walk always begins in private and then spills over into the public. So if you're walking wise, that doesn't start out in public when you're living your life. That starts in private. That starts in your prayer life, meaning, God, this is gonna be a rough week this week. There's a connection between verse two and four and five and six. Private prayer lies behind public walk and conversations full of grace. In order for you to walk the walk and talk the talk, you have to pray. Those times we were praying in private helps us adjust and connect to listening to God in public. Scenario. We all love our cell phones, right? That's a signal that gets, gets promoted. If you're out on a boat or out on a ship or out on a car, you know, radios, CBs, anything. Everything has an antenna that sends out signal. These wireless microphones have an, an antenna that sends out signal then goes to re a receiver and then it you know, gets translated. Think about this, we are an antenna 
And when we sin against God, when we do stuff that we know we're not supposed to do, when we f- neglect God, and when we move and do stuff that doesn't really um, move us closer to God, when we're not walking intentionally, that antenna gets mucked up. It's got seaweed on it, it's got Facebook stuck to it, it's got Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And, and our antenna doesn't work like it should. And so when we take time and pray in private, it cleans us, it takes all that gunk off of our antenna and makes us more receptive to God's voice. When we spend time in private and we spend time, there's not the distractions of the world, the radio, the, the crazy driver, the, the, you know, the crazy lady down the street, or the lady in the office, the water cool conversations, whatever. In those moments of private time that we have with God, we get to clean off the antenna and we get to tune our ears and tune our spirit to Jesus's voice. And when we come, become familiar with communicating with God, we recognize it and we can like, yes, that was, that's what I should do, yes. And so when we move out into public, we already, already are hearing that voice. Now, if you could spend time each day praying, devoting yourself to pray, being persistent, I think your public life would look way different than it does now. If we would take the devoted practice of praying privately, our public life, maybe we wouldn't have to say I'm sorry so many times. Maybe we would avoid some conversations that we shouldn't have. Maybe we could speak truth and grace and encourage someone because God's voice is saying, hey, they need a little word of encouragement right now. Someone just died in their family or they just lost someone or they're in a real tough time financially. We, the Spirit will communicate to us when we've spent time in private he will use us and communicate to us in public so that we can help build the kingdom of God. And we can, in verse five, it says, make the most of every opportunity. I went a little bit ahead of myself. It said, let, every, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that what you may know, the answer to everyone. We all have struggled with this at one time or another uh, of not having the right answer or saying something you shouldn't have or not saying when you should have said something. You know, we're always in the wrong sometimes. Um, We uh, call these, uh, in the Lee house, Kimberly and I call these go-go and no-no moments. Go-go and no-no moments. Go-go moments are these types of moments. Not like the go-go's. I mean, Belinda Carlisle's cute and all, but... um, See, I again, dated myself. So, um, times, time, these, are, these are times um, that we're supposed to go and do something, like um, buy a meal for a person. I know some of you have been prompted to do something like that. You see someone, even, not even, they don't have to be homeless, but maybe just someone in front of you in a, in a drive-thru and say, hey, you know what, I should probably pick that meal up. You've been prompted that way. It could be have a conversation. Person looks lonely. You are like, I'm an introvert. I don't want to talk, but you know what? God, I really don't want to talk to that person. And then you go, and the Spirit's telling you to go have a conversation with them. 
This is always a fun one. Inviting people to church. When the Spirit says, hey, you should go invite them to an event, not maybe to church, maybe to an event, maybe to to the food distribution or something, and we choose not to do that. Or maybe, you know what? Sometimes maybe our antenna is so mucked up and so dirty and so done that we haven't spent any, any private time with him that we don't even hear him asking. And this is, I think, one of the hardest ones in the go-go's. And it's just not, never mind. Is encouraging someone. Why is it so hard for us to say a kind word to someone? Is it embarrassing? But we love encouraging words also. So a go-go moment would be buy a meal, have a conversation, invite someone to something, or encourage someone. The no-no moments are, you know what? I probably shouldn't yell at my coworker like that because they put something on my desk or lose my cool at an umpire or a sporting game. I have to raise my hand on that one. I got ejected last year from a baseball game. Good reason, good reason. I wasn't listening to the spirit, I tell you. Sports came over me. Um, This one, what about when you're just about ready to engage or throttle up an argument with your spouse or your girlfriend or someone that you love and you hear that, no, don't do it. And you say, okay. That moment would be great, right? Those are no, no moments. But most of the time, what do we do? We say, forget that, I'm ticked off. I wanna get my point across. Don't engage in certain activities that cause confusion for the people around you. So often or not, back to the antenna, if we're not spending time learning to know in prayer, learning to know what God has for us, learning his character, learning to know what he wants from us, and and desiring that, we're praying, we're having that open communication, we're having that pipeline cleaned out, Sometimes we make decisions and God in the spirit is telling us, no, they're screaming. Your spirit is screaming at you. Don't do it. And because we aren't listening or we choose, we think we know better or we're in control, we step into it. So as we spend time privately, we'll recognize yes, go, or no, no. So go, go, and no, no's. And you can use those. They're not, they're not copyrighted. And we do all of that. We do the go-go's and the no-no's. Being seasoned with salt, as it says in the scripture, doesn't mean being salty, because some of you guys are salty. (laughs) Not like salty, like an open cut salty. That hurts. But ever had bland popcorn at the movies? And then all of a sudden, or bland food, and all of a sudden you sprinkle a little salt on it, just enough, not too much, until like junior hires play pranks on you and take the top off and then, it's, and then we're back to bad salty. <laughs> but salt is an enhancer. It's a preservative. And I think what Paul's using is, is it makes food taste better. It makes things fresh. They used it to preserve things over time. 
When you're talking about the good news of Jesus and the, the gospel of who he is, you need to preserve it in the truth and be interesting. Help people want to taste more of what you have. If there's a food I like and it doesn't taste good, I won't eat it anymore. So if people are seeing your life and you're not spending your time in your private praying and communicating with God, then we're diluting our saltiness in public. And I love some salt. My doctor doesn't like that I like salt, but I like salt. But too much, if you're super saucy and salty, it's a turnoff. But if, if your life reflects Jesus in the way that he set it up and designed it to be, it's attractive. And people want, will want to know. And another thing, so if people ask you spiritual questions and you act unexcited about it, what do you think that they will do? They'll be unexcited about it. So I'm really glad I go to church. This is super fun. I, I, I worship at Element City Church and, and it's, it's, it's great. That's not salty. That is, why would I want anything to do with what you have? Speak with passion. Speak with energy. Speak with the love that Jesus has given you. He saved you from a never-ending death in hell. He gave us eternal life and he created your body, created your family, created this earth for us to enjoy and enjoy a relation with him. Don't you think we should probably have a little pep in our step? Or say hallelujah or amen or like thank you Jesus that you are telling me no or telling me go because I am clueless when it comes to everything. The other part of the verse is this, and full of grace. Whew. I love grace. She gets called a lot on the Bible. I don't know, you know why that is, but, and full of grace. I think that's a lost word in this culture. I think we have lost grip of what this word even means. We are too busy as believers in Jesus Christ about cleaning people up, getting things, having, you need to get your things right with Jesus before you come talk to me. And we put everything out here, but we want a huge gray stick when we screw up in relationships. I know this for a fact. It's, I'm, I try to give people grace, try to keep you through grace, and the same people I extend grace to literally give me about this much. And I'm like, what? I gave you a bunch of grace. And don't you think that's the way God feels? When we're, we're pop on, popping off on Facebook about our political, um, our viewpoints, or we're more about our moral standards, about how we live, and not about letting people know about how much God loves them. Element City Church, I want a church that is full of grace. 
It is a praying church, praying in our private, getting our own relationships with him right. So when we come collectively, we can come together as a unit and push back the darkness here in Tucson. Prayer is a pipeline. It is a conduit that he has given us. He has set it up, and he is perfect so we can communicate to him, to us, and back and forth. We don't have to go through anybody. We get to literally communicate directly to the one who created us. Without prayer, it is very hard for us to grow in our faith. When we pray, it helps us trust in Jesus, relinquish some of the control. It helps our walk and our talk, and it helps us give wisdom that it's his wisdom, not ours, to deal with the public. Um, a lot of you know, um, or you may not know, this is true. I'm a type 1 diabetic. Um, been a type 1 diabetic for about, since I was 11, around, around there, and uh, so I've had a long time wearing an insulin pump, and uh, you know, you deal with it yourself, right? You just, it's cool. God, all right, whatever, if that's what, the, that's what you have me wear, if that's the burden you have for me, I'm just going to do it, and so I've been doing it, doing it, doing it, and so um, about several months ago, well, a month ago, two months ago, January, um, sorry, Lakin, I didn't ask you permission for this, but it's, it's coming anyway, um, Lakin, my 16-year-old daughter, um, walked into our bedroom um, at a night. It was a night that, if you know anything about the lease schedule, we are usually not in bed till about 11.30, you know, because we're doing homework and all that kind of stuff. This Tuesday night, we were in bed like at 9.45. Laying in bed, I was like, this is gonna be glorious. This is gonna be great. She walks in, she's like, I'm super hungry. I'm like, Lakin, we just got home from IHOP about an hour ago. What's going on? <laughs> and so she sat at the end of the bed, and she, was bumming, she just jumped on the bed, and she wasn't super sick or anything, and um, she goes, I'm really thirsty too. And if you know anything about diabetes, you're really hungry and really thirsty when your sugar's really high. And so I said, go get my meter. And so we checked her sugar, and her sugar was like 400. And so... Guess what we got to do for the next four days? We spent them at TMC as she was diagnosed type one diabetic. So here she turned 16, diagnosed diabetic, and here we are in a new norm. And to be honest with you, I was angry. I was angry with God. I was angry in my private time. I was still having prayer with God, but I was struggling to get there. I was struggling to communicate the gratitude of all the stuff that God's given me. Because in my mind, it was about me. I've given you my life in ministry. I have done this, I've done this, I've done this. And I was rattling those things off in my mind, in my head. But if it wasn't for my deep understanding of who God's character is because I've spent time praying with him. I know his character and I know that he did not give her diabetes to stick it to me or to stick it to her. But if I wasn't in praying and understanding God's character, I would still be pissed off and I would be angry and I would be just, why? But I know God is good because I know his voice 
and I know that he has a plan. I don't understand it. I don't have control, but I know that both Lakin and I will have a pancreas that works someday. <laughs> if that's true. If it's in our life, and that's good. If not, but I know God is good. But if I didn't have that rooted time in prayer, I didn't have that rooted understanding of having my antenna cleaned off, that circumstance would have crushed me. So what circumstance are you standing under right now? What circumstance do you feel completely and utterly overwhelmed? Alone, hurt, neglected, fill in the blank. God's shoulders are so big, it doesn't matter if you think it's the darkest, darkest thing that you can ever imagine and you're the only one going through it. He's big and he can handle it. And you know what? You can even tell him you're angry or that you don't understand. And you can question that. That's what we're gonna be talking about over Easter is, you know what? God doesn't expect us to have a blind faith. He wants to build into our faith by us understanding and listening to his voice and then acting it out. We have to be a church that prays for each other, for this community around us, because there are people that I pray for every week, I don't even know their names, but they're not here yet. We need to pray with such devotion of praying five years from now, six years from now, that Tucson will be radically changed for his purposes. We're the fifth poorest nation, and fifth, fifth poorest city in the nation. I don't know if you guys knew that. I'm praying that revival will come and the church will rise up and that we will see the wealth of Jesus more so than the wealth of money, but we will see the spiritual health of Tucson rise up. I challenge you to take a next step. If you haven't been praying for a while or you feel like your, your prayers have been blocked like they hit the fluorescent lights and bounce back, been there, but I'm gonna challenge you with, with a couple steps. Prayer is the most untapped resource we have as believers in Jesus Christ. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to pray hairy, audacious goals. He wants us to just lift things to him. Prayer is unstoppable. So I challenge you to take these steps. Start if you have struggled with praying, start each day by just saying thank you to him. Thank you for letting me get up today. God, thank you for being you. Do it in the shower. Do it before your feet hit the floor. Lay as your alarm goes off and you hit snooze, you got eight minutes. Figure out something to thank him. And if you're like, I got that. I got that covered. I can do that. And then let's think, think of five to 10 people or, or specific things that is on your heart. And if you don't have anything on your heart, you probably need to sp spend some time just thinking, praying, and what, what are some passions that are on your heart? And pray those with confidence 
that he will answer those prayers. If you're like, I got that, I can do that. And you're like, maybe I haven't been spending my time, maybe I've, I've made other things a priority in my life, and maybe I, my antenna is kind of uh, cl- clotted with some other things or caked on or there's some things drooping on my antenna that are causing my signal. Why don't you just spend some time confessing your separation or the lack of time that you've spent with him? Just ask for some forgiveness. It works really, really well. Spending time just saying, God, I'm sorry. I know you know, but I'm saying it because I'm trying to convince myself I know. Spend some time asking for forgiveness. Take it a step further, ratchet it up even more. Some of you guys are like marathon runners and some of you guys are like little sprinters and some people are like, one toe, So there's a, a, a lots of options. Um, I think my faith was built um, a lot when I started praying with others. Not like, I met with some pastors when I was younger and I'd drive up to the northwest side and we'd pray five or six together. No agenda, no, nothing. We'd just pray what was on our hearts. We'd pray for you know, each other and we'd pray for um, things that were going on in each other's lives and we were committed and devoted to praying for people in that group. Find some people to pray with. Find some people that you work with that you know are believers or people here at the church or, or friends, other, you know, this wonderful world called FaceTime and Skype and, and all this stuff. You can pray over video. It's personal works, right? But pray with people and ask others how you can pray for them. Don't let it always be about you. Figure out how you can pray for them. That's all I got. Prayer changes lives for eternity. Our prayers, we are all sitting here right now. Let's think about this for a second. We are sitting here right now because someone prayed for us. Someone took time and energy and prayed for our health, prayed for that we would know Jesus, prayed that this church would start, prayed for our businesses, prayed for, for our kids, prayed for everything. So we are standing, we are standing on people's prayers that God has answered or not answered. Are you going to spend time praying so that people in your future can stand on your prayers? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we're gonna spend time in communion just, just taking an exhale. Lord, I, I don't wanna come off that I've got this prayer thing figured out. I don't. But Lord, you have rooted and grounded me in prayer and have helped me through situations that I had no idea how it was gonna go down. Lord, just create in us the devotion that we need to connect to you and wanna communicate with you. That we can just lift things up to you and really hear and start to listen and know your voice. 
where Paul, that's what Paul was trying to redo back in this time with the Colossians. He was trying to recalibrate, remove, kind of set us back on course. Lord, help us as Element City Church move our prayer lives back in order. Set up so that we can hear your voice, so we can go, go when you want us to go, and we can be protected when you say no. Lord, be with each one of us as we take next steps in you. Lord, thank you that you allow us to have communication with you, that we don't have to go through another man or another person or anything like that. Lord, we can just come to you just straight forward where we're at. And Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving grace and thank you that you love us.